Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting edge, state of the art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase Today. Visit Douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is Douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. My current landlord smokes pot all day, which is like fine, but you know. Yeah. It's like 24 hours a day to place rooms right. of pot. And the new place is not going to be like that. I've become like an old man and like just the smell of pot bothers me. I know. Well, and it's funny too, right? Because I, I, I always say, I go, not that I have a problem with that, just to, you know, because I just want to, but it's like, yeah, okay, it does drive me crazy. You have people over, and it's like a dorm or something. Well, my parents come over, and I feel like, it's like, yes, I'm an adult, I'm almost 40, and I'm living in this place that smells like pot all the time, because my landlord wakes up at 7.30 in the morning and starts smelling pot. Come on. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? 
Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. Hello. This show is sponsored exclusively by FreshBooks.com. Why not join the over 5 million people who have removed some element of headache and stress and strain from their lives, from their small businesses, by switching to cloud accounting, painless billing, by the proudly Canadian company FreshBooks.com. Got a good one for you this week. Let's get right into it. Here is my conversation with actor and writer Matt Watts. So... Michael, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yes. Okay. Let's go back there. That was you. <laughs> yeah. That was Mike, me. you were Michael. I was. Yeah. People dug that show. They seemed to. When pe- The people who saw it or a- and heard about it seemed to like it, yeah. There weren't enough of them. No, there were not nearly enough of them. What does that mean? Like, what is enough in Canada? What are the, what's, what's a good number in Canada? Oh, what's God. a bad number? I don't number? know. Well, Sturzberg implemented that million viewer benchmark, which... The CBC hasn't hit in a while, but that's sort of, everyone sort of says a million is a hit. But, yeah. Um, for a Canadian major. For a Canadian main show. American shows routinely pass that. In Canada? Oh, absolutely. I think uh, Big Bang Theory pulls in like 3.8 uh-huh. or something like that. So if a quarter of the Canadians who watch an American sitcom will watch a Canadian made show, that's a big hit. Yeah. You know, a show like, uh, oh, what was that show that was on recently? Satisfaction. That was doing all right. I think that was in, hovering around the four hundred thousand mark. Okay, and that that's that sort of seems to be like a, a enough to keep it on the air. That's respectable. It's a respectable number. Five yeah. is five is kind of that. Five is respectable. If you hover around five, then you're you're safe. I think. Uh huh. But are the rules the same outside of the CBC as inside the CBC? Because the CBC has this. If it's a prestigious show that is helping their mandate, then that might make up for. I don't even know. They, they don't. I'm not. They're not really clear on what their mandate is right now. That was the, sort of the problem with our show is that it, it seemed to be the kind of show that was definitely fulfilling what you think their mandate should be, but it was canceled in favor of shows that were a bit more populous, uh, which I think sort of goes against their mandate. So I mean, they're they're trying to bridge that funding gap, right? So they need the advertising dollars. So it's yeah, a, it's a weird. Yeah, I mean that's I guess the eternal conflict there is is it about popularity or is it about quality? I'd like to think there's a possible way to do both. Well, if I think about Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays, right. As a show that is geared towards I guess a grown-up audience, critics are going to call it quirky. Sure. I would, right? we were thinking more urban. Urban. Right. Then I think it's like a hip-hop thing. Right. I know. Right? Urban in the sense of city. White people in Ottawa, <laughs> you can't get 
more unurban, but it was um, it was about therapy. It was about therapy. Yeah, if, if you were to make a specialty channel with just that kind of show on it, it's what like would Woody Allen, Albert Brooks, uh, Louise, a good example, um, Nichols and May type stuff, or especially Elaine May because she had a lot of uh, neurotic kind of stuff. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it is. It's a particular kind of humor where you're just sort of mining your own neuroses. Yeah. Uh, what was interesting is I had a better sense of why it didn't do so well uh, when I, I was in Newfoundland last summer for a couple of months. And not only had they never heard of the show, they don't even really think of therapy as a thing. Like, they're just not a neurotic people. They don't even watch Woody Allen films. They don't get them. Like, it's just not in the nature of, of the province. It's such a... It, they're just such a, a calm, easygoing people that the idea that someone would be so stressed out that they'd require a doctor to deal with that stress is completely foreign to them. So they'd never heard of the show. And even if they had, they probably wouldn't watch it. Not a lot of Jews out there. Not a lot of Jews in Newfoundland. Yeah. Not, not any. Like yeah. as far as I was actually, when I was there, I was looking it up just to see. I was like, there's got to be a synagogue out here somewhere. And I couldn't find one. So I think there's one in St. John's. There's got to be one in St. John's. I, I'm Jewish. I got family from out there, but I don't know. Everyone's it's, it's kind of like Montreal. Everybody left, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I look at your IMDb. Right. Slings and Arrows, The Newsroom, Scott Pilgrim. Oh yeah, Twitch City. It's a pretty impressive looking resume. It looks pretty good. <laughs> these are shows that people loved, uh, and and like these are of a certain kind of. I mean, I don't know what's happening in Newfoundland, but. Uh, Newfoundland was uh, Grand Seduction, the film that Don McKellar directed. That was uh, okay. it, just, it just opened at TIFF. These are shows that college-educated comedy geek type people, like, they, they come up again and again when people talk about, like, well, can't we make a good comedy in Canada? People talk about the newsroom. They talk about slings and arrows as something for grownups, something smart. The failure of Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays, whatever numbers you were pulling, and, you know, they could say, well, we didn't like it as much as you guys liked it or as much as the cult audience liked it. But it seems to me that they haven't tried to do anything like it since no or, and they didn't have they haven't really tried to do anything like that for a while i think the last show uh that was uh in the same ballpark would have been the newsroom i guess yeah uh and yeah it was like 10 years ago so it was like 2003 2004 i think i, I think it's like 2004 or five or yeah so that so it had been a while and i think it it was the cbc's attempt at doing something i'm trying to remember the conversations i mean i you know i've played them over in my head a million times but i've also tried to erase them but i i I do remember the cbc saying that they they did love the show when it when it was pitched and presented to them and 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 they 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 turned it around really quickly uh, a little too quickly in some michael tooth isn't yeah when when michael was was pitched they they loved it and then they wanted it for the fall like we were shooting that season so quickly that we were home a week before it started airing they basically said this is the direction we'd like the cbc to go in but then it was such a colossal ratings failure i think they just panicked and and dropped everything. But you're saying you think you scorched the earth to anyone, any neurotic who comes in with that strain of humor is going to be told, oh, not again. Yeah. I, I think that would, I would have said that up until about two months ago, but uh, with the new head of the CBC coming in in December, I think things may turn around. I, I have a feeling that that policy was pretty much the policy of one person. Mm-hmm. And now that they're gone, I think things are looking up. Who is that one person? The prior policy was Kirsten Stewart's policy, which was also inherited by Sturzberg. So inherited to her, yeah, she by Sturzberg. Uh, yes, exactly, because right. uh, she was second in command under Sturzberg. I mean, yeah, he left. She took his job and just basically continued that million viewer policy. It's interesting because he was so reviled, and yet it seemed like people didn't feel the same way about her 
but her sensibilities seem to be very similar to his. She's reviled. <laughs> I don't think anyone was sorry to see the back of her. I, honestly, I think what what was uh, the difference between Sturzberg and, and Kirsten was that Sturzberg had a, a vision. Yeah. It was a, a largely disagreed with vision, but it was it was a vision. So he, he polarized people. What Kirsten did uh, that I think uh, frustrated a lot of people was no one really knew where she stood. It was like, what do you want? Do you want a successful show ratings-wise or a successful show uh, cr- critically acclaimed? Like, what do, you, what do you want? And she could never really sort of give a straight answer. And, yeah. And also – there was a lot of promoting of herself that I think ruffled a lot of feathers. What do you mean? You have these shows uh, like Canada Live and or CBC Live and, and the, the CSAs where it's basically her and Zabe on the red carpet and sitting front row center. And it's like I've never seen a CBC uh, vice president so present and in the spotlight. It's not really her job to be in the spotlight. And you mentioned her husband, Zabe Sheikh, uh, star of Little Mosque on the Prairie among – other CBC yeah. productions. That's a whole can of worms. Can we open it? Sure. This came to my attention through a post on your Facebook page mm-hmm. that made the rounds that like everybody was sending to everybody. Yeah. When she left, right when she left. It was like a day after she announced she was leaving. And I don't know the circumstances under how she left. I don't know, you know, if if they asked her to leave or whether she left of her own accord, like I don't know. Right. I just know the announcement was made and then that that email popped into my inbox. So can you give us a sense of what was in that email? Yeah, it was just basically a, a, a list of all the incestuous deals that had gone in between Kirsten and, and Zabe. Uh, there was a directing deal. I think it was his Othello. That's what it was that uh, that they were referring to. There was uh, the allegation of, um, what was the show called, 19-2? It was a one-hour drama that uh, they had said they wanted Zabe to star in, and the producer said no. So they didn't pick it up. That's what the allegation was. Right. That the reason the show didn't go to series was because the producers refused to cast Zabe. So it was stuff like that in the email. I don't remember it off by heart. Let me bring it up. Sent from an anonymous source, which was also one of those things. I was like, why are you sending it to me? Because yeah. I was a little vocal on Twitter, I guess. And then, and just because your show got canceled, perhaps. Well, which is probably why I was a little bit more vocal than most people on Twitter. I was just like, well, I don't give a fuck anymore. It's like, yeah. I'm gonna, you know, there's a lot of people. It's funny because there were so many people in there at the time that were so frustrated and angry but didn't want to say anything because they were worried about their jobs. And I was like, I don't have a job anymore. So, <laughs> right. you know, what do I care? So this is from the anonymous email you received and posted to your Facebook page. Zabe had multiple credits on Little Mosque, multiple salaries. Perhaps the most egregious one was a paid creative consultant, which gave him the final say in the hiring of writers and actors. He had a double-scale development deal for a movie of the week. He was cast in uh, Deepa Mehta's Midnight's Children, he has this production company, which the CBC hired to produce their 75th anniversary special, even though the, co- the company had never really done anything like that before. Right. He was a guest host of Q, which this anonymous pro- uh, poster says, like, Q didn't want him. But against that protest, he was made a guest host of Q when Gian was, was off. He presented at every award show. And uh, blind development deal. What is a blind development deal? Blind development deal is uh, I was offered one when, when Michael was canceled, actually. Huh. So the, the, the most interesting thing about that was it's just uh, it's here's some money. Come up with something. Yeah. So it's not like you've pitched them something and they say we like it. It's just a, it's just here's some money to go come up with an idea. I turned mine down, which in hindsight was probably pretty stupid because I could have used the money. But <laughs> I, I, it felt like hush money to me. Right. It felt to me like, we're sorry we're canceling your show. Here's some money. Play nice. Yeah. And I just couldn't 
live with myself if I took that. Remember, you're still part of the family. Exactly. Right. I suppose the argument could be made that this guy was a big star beforehand, and this was just the CBC investing in, in, in a big star. And I know that uh, the CBC, when Brian Lilly confronted the CBC with this, uh, Hubert Lacroix said, oh, she recused herself from all those decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Because it was brought up publicly. And it was – yeah, that's right. I, re- I remember reading about that too. And then the counter argument is like, well, you know, she could recuse herself, but everybody making those decisions is – you know, works for her. Right. So, you know. They're not going to say no. They have a strong incentive to say yes. Right. And you commented on your Facebook page. You said, this is criminal, Literally. You know, you said this is worse than what Harper is getting away with. You, you, you still feel that way? Uh, I don't know if I feel that way anymore. I mean, that was a while ago. I mean, they got away with it. Uh, whether or not it's actually criminal, I probably shouldn't have commented on it. I probably should have just let it out there and say, you know, this is no comment. This is just what, what was sent to me. Right. I do think they got away with it. I think they probably have a nice little stack of money from the whole thing and uh, that they probably is not fair to the people that are working there. It's unsavory to the public. Yeah, it it yeah. seems like that is that's a bit hinky. That's See, a bit weird. It's hard for me to comment on it because it's I did have the show canceled, and it's yeah. hard because I, I realize that if I say anything, it, it's going to look like someone who's just bitter about their show being canceled. Like I, that's the problem I faced when I got that message. I'm like, I don't know how to, you know, I, like I had my own personal issues. With Zabe, we had a bit of a Twitter back and forth that was just ridiculous at one point. <laughs> well, you confronted him with some of this stuff. I confronted him with – this was before this. And I, I, it was just – I can't remember what it was, but it was – it was oh, God, what was it about? What was the initial spark? Oh, it was that he had been the, – the Hollywood Reporter announced that he'd got some blind development deal. Uh-huh. And uh, I made some comment about that. And then he brought me into the, his conversation that he was having saying that I was being racist because it was like a brown solidarity hashtag or something. Yeah. And it was just like, what is this? He said something about how it's, it's hard out here for, for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you you know, stop putting a brown brother down. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> how that's so dirty of you to play that card. Like, it had nothing to do with that. You're married to the head of the CBC. That's what this is about. To which he replied, uh, I'm proud to be married to my wife, no matter where she works. Hope you find some love in your life one day. What the fuck is that, right? Like, come on. It, you know, it, it was such an interesting exchange. So that so that whole exchange, I think, is what prompted whoever. Well, he uh, did hope that you find love in your life. I mean, that's nice. Yeah. No, it was it was, it was it, kind of him. I couldn't uh, take that seriously. I mean, obviously, it's, it's it was a weird defensive reply as if the accusation had been that he was not proud of his wife or, you know, that his pride had something to do with where she worked. But that isn't really what you were. I wasn't saying that at all. I, yeah. you know, it's one of those weird things. I've never actually talk to the guy so i don't really know what he's like yeah you know i mean from his twitter feed he doesn't seem like the brightest guy but that's fine whatever has he been working at the cbc since his wife left i don't think so i mean i might not either so i you know that seems weird like that that would be tolerated is that kind of thing common do people do a lot of favors for friends and and family members and it's just sort of understood well let's not talk about that well in the entertainment industry I'm, i'm sure it seems to be normal there's a lot of Incest, obviously, right? I mean, hire my friend, hire my family member. I mean, you know, I, I work a lot with Don, and he's my friend. I mean, I, I Don McKellar. Don McKellar. I even said to him at one point, you know, I don't ever want to be hired just because we're friends. I want to make sure that I'm I'm good in the part. He's doing a series right now that is like all the same people uh, as Michael Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm not involved at all. I'm gonna be like a day player on it. It's it's sad for me to watch this happen, but at the same time, I go, well, it's I'm. There's nothing for me to do. Yeah. Whereas I feel like there are some times where you find something for them to do. And in Zabe's circumstances, it found it felt like that. Yeah. Like when they're talking about him 
producing the 75th anniversary special, it's like he has absolutely no experience doing that. Right. So that, you why? can't say, well, he's a bright shining star and we're, and we're investing in him. You know, the acting stuff makes sense. He's yeah. an actor. He's a face of the CBC. It's like, sure. Okay. Of course, if he gets cast in this kind of thing, then I can see that. Yeah. But having him produce the 75th anniversary special, it was, he had no experience doing that. There are, yeah. and there are other companies and other production companies out there vying for that. And why would they give him this anyway? Scale. And in TV, you can if, if you're if you see somebody's name twice in the credits, they're getting paid twice. Yes, you can get paid two, three times on the same production. Sure, and yeah, by the end, he was executive producer, and d- you you want real dirt, you got to bring in some of the writers that worked on that show. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to repeat their stories, but I just know that there's a lot of good. There are. <laughs> there's a lot of good. I mean, it, it is one of those things where it was so crazy how much support that Facebook message got. But no one wanted to be named. So you feel like there's a lot of pent-up frustration, a lot of stories like this that people are afraid to. Yeah. And to this day, even though she's gone, people are still afraid of her. Like, that building was terrified of her. Yeah. It was insane. I've never – and I've been in and out of that building, as I'm sure you have been, too, for like the last 15 or so years. Sure. And it really seemed like the last couple of years, people were not happy. And it had nothing to do with the budget cuts. Like, she did more to destroy morale in that building than, than the cuts did. Hmm. It wasn't a happy time. <laughs> right. right. I mean, the building has its problems. It's not just her. There's a lot of, you know, it's, it's bloated middle management and, you know, departments that you're not really sure what they're doing. It's, it's like any sort of government organization. You, you look at it and you go, this could be a lot more efficient. It's weird for creative people. It's really hard. It's like trying to be creative in the post office. It's really hard. Like it's hard in terms of the notes, right? Like you write a script and you send it in and then it's got to go through all these different departments, you know, yeah. and you're just going for what? Yeah, or, or, you know, communications will send you a press release uh, that they want to send out for something that happened a week before. Mm-hmm. It's so backwards and, and slow sometimes that you go, this is, this is madness. But again, that's not her fault. That's just years of sort of built up. Entrenched bureaucracy, layers exactly. and layers of it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody once told me if you want to keep a secret, give it to the CBC Communications Department to publicize. Oh, my God. That whole department should just go. <laughs> it's got to be a concern of yours because a show like Michael, Tuesdays and Thursdays, if you look at the kind of uh, success that that might have enjoyed, it happens in like season three. Like a, a show like that takes time to find its own voice. It takes time to find its audience. And it's it's a word of mouth kind of thing. You know, it was interesting because our show wasn't picked up when the budget cuts happened. That was – we were sort of – and that was the official line that we got from Kirsten. They needed to put uh, a face on the budget cuts. So they cut our show. Radio dropped radio drama. There was a few other sort of uh, public cuts because uh, I think it was a way to turn to the public and say, you know, this is the kind of program we'd love to make. Right. But we just can't afford it. Right. So, uh, you know, it, it was an interesting play on her part. And, and, and I, I don't think it worked because I don't think the public cared. Um, so you think that, that they might have been fishing for little cult audiences who would rise up and, and, and defend the CBC on the basis of these cuts? Maybe. I mean, I don't think that they were going to renew the show if that happened. I think it was just that was that was what they, they wanted more support in terms of uh, fighting the government for more funding. So – People are afraid to speak because they don't want to get blacklisted or they don't want to be just considered non grata. You did not have that same concern or, or, you know, whatever. You went public. Well, it's weird because I think the people that know me know that I'm I'm extremely loyal. Like, I'm not anti-network. I'm not against the CBC. I'm just sort of – I don't have a filter when it comes to just calling bullshit when I see bullshit. And that's all that was, right? Like, it's not – I don't have a thing against the head of the CBC, 
the reason I I felt like I had to speak out about this was uh, I, I was just I was just tired of it. Like, yeah, it, it just seemed like it was such a we put so much work into that show, and then to see all this other shit go on, and to get treated so poorly by one person, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you what happened that that sort of hurt was uh, the day the show got canceled. She texted me. She said, please call me when you get a chance. So I called her. She said, yes, yeah, so the show's been canceled, as you know. I went, yes, I know. She goes, but we'd like to offer you this blind development deal. I said, well, what for? And, and she also said, it's in one-hour drama. And I said, but I don't, I don't do one-hour drama. I do comedy. She goes, well, that doesn't matter. It's just, you know, you can develop something in one hour. And I know that it's tough for you, and writers don't have a lot of money. There's not a work out there. So, you know, just take the money, and, and, and if you can come up with something, that's great. And I said, but what could I possibly come up with that's better than the show we gave you? And she goes, well, it doesn't really matter. Just, you know, take the money and try to think of something. And I got off the phone with her, and I thought, she didn't even apologize. She didn't even say, I'm sorry that we had to cancel your show. We loved it. Yeah. It was just, uh, you know, this is what's happened. Here's some money. Take it. And that was it. And I just thought, who does that? That's just like such a nasty, cold way to treat someone who's like, poured their heart into something for you to try and sell and to better your network. And then when all the sort of Zabe and Kirsten stuff happened, I mean, I guess I just was like, fuck you guys. Like, yeah. I, you know, I don't have to sit here and take this. And and if this destroys any possibility I have of working in CBC or even if the other networks look at me and say, this guy's a bit of a loose cannon, it was just one of those points where it's was like, well, it's not worth it to keep my mouth shut. I'd rather work somewhere else doing something completely different for the rest of my life than have not have said what I said. Because it just seemed like it was insane to me. And have you paid a price for it? Has your career suffered? I haven't worked very much in the last year, but I don't think that's a result of her. I think that's just, it's uh, it's uh, not the best time right yeah. now in the industry. I mean, I know people who do what you do or try to. It's so difficult to get a show on the air. Oh, yeah. It takes years. Let alone develop one. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, I mean, you know, you, you take you could, you, if you're lucky enough to get development, the idea that that will go to a pilot and then that, that will get picked up, it's a complete crapshoot. Yeah. It's like you cross the finish line, you got to cross it again, you got to cross it again. Absolutely. And, and then it, hope that it's actually good. Right. So it's like, you know, we jumped through all these soups. I mean, it was, it was Bob Martin's show mostly, you know, he, he, it was, it was based on something that I had told him, but it, he ran with the ball and, and, and created the show and pitched it. And then we, we worked on it. We, we poured ourselves into it. And, and it was such a relief to come home and think, we made this really good show. And then once the critics started seeing it and, and they started saying, it's a great show. And, and then, okay, the first episode aired up against Survivor, the premiere of Survivor. So, okay, the numbers aren't going to be great. It, up, it was up against Survivor and there was no promotion. And then to see everybody uh, in the press, like, uh, you know, Rob Salem and, and, and Scott Simpson and, and these guys just you know, writing article after article going, somebody's got to watch this show. It's fantastic. Yeah. And nobody watching it. It was just, it was heartbreaking. It was like, well, what, what more could we have done? Yeah. I think a lot of people were pulling for it because it's what a lot of people want Canada to be producing. Right. We're never going to be able to do big budget stuff with big celebrities and special effects and huge production values. That's not going to happen here. But there are a lot of people in the writing community and the acting community and critics who think, you know, what smart comedy that we could do really well. Well, I can tell you that that John Doyle article that set off a lot of writers and stuff. I mean, that was exactly, you know, that was one of those things where it's like when they say that there's no golden age of Canadian television. It's like there is 
uh, it's just not getting made. This is an article John Doyle wrote recently saying that if you think about this wonderful golden age of The Sopranos and Breaking Bad and Louie and the, all, the, all this TV that – this you know pay TV in the States that people are saying the TV is better than film now, there's no Canadian shows in that, on that list. No, and I, and I think – I mean I know what he's saying uh, and, and, I, and I partially agree with him. I think that it, there, there's the potential for better shows in Canada and there are some great shows. I mean Orphan Black is a fantastic show and we've had shows like Slings and Arrows and, and you know, I, 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 I can't point to my own shows without feeling like an asshole. So, but – you can do that. Don't be so Canadian. So, so Michael's a good show, and, and Newsroom was fantastic, and I can say that just as being an, a hired gun, a, an actor on it. But, you know, and Twitch City and Slings and Arrows, and there have been some great shows. Weirdly, Doyle didn't seem to like any of those shows, but that's his own personal opinion. The, the thing that I know that frustrates most writers was that Doyle was seemingly pointing the finger at the creatives for that. When pitching to the networks is very difficult. Uh, yeah. You go in with an idea that is good, at least you think is good, and if that show gets to air, it's very unlikely that it'll look like your original idea. And if you want to work, you got to kind of pitch something that you know the networks are looking for. So you, you don't have a lot of choices, right? It's bastardize something that you love or uh, just create something that you know will sell. It's, there's not a lot of middle ground. So it's tough for a lot of people out there. Well, if you look at the biggest American shows, the writers' rooms for those shows – there's usually a Canadian. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. From Mad Men to all the comedies. Yeah. There are Canadians in very high places, and, and many of them were, were trying to pitch shows here and writing here. So it's not for lack of talent here. Like, there, there are very smart, talented people writing here, very smart, talented actors here. Something about the system doesn't seem to be able to produce it's, that much good television. It's a very difficult system uh, to, to pitch, and it's hard because nobody's really cracked that great show that does really well with the audience. Right. That's which which is out there. It's possible. Do you think that the CanCon scheme has something to do with this? You know, we were talking about earlier an American show that CTV airs will get 4 million viewers and if they are really 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 lucky, they'll get a million for the for a Canadian show. Right. They would obviously rather just show American shows. They're not allowed to. They have to put this Canadian stuff on the air. That makes it a problem, yeah, for sure. A lot of the stuff they put on the air, it seems like they're not even trying to have a big hit. They're just trying to make it, you know, fulfill their CRTC obligation for as little money as possible. Do some Canadian version of an American reality show. Just yeah, get that's... get some CanCon done and get back to making money by airing American stuff. Which that's is... definitely what it's felt like for as long as I've been in the industry. There's, there's no incentive for them to invest a lot of money in Canadian programming because they're probably going to lose money on it. Yeah. And they don't own it outright, right? So this is also the problem is that these networks are just licensing uh, the Canadian rights to these shows. So they don't own it. So if it sells around the world, they don't, they don't see a dime of that. So even if the rarest thing happens, not only is there a popular Canadian show, but it's a popular Canadian show that you could resell in other markets, the broadcaster is not. No, it's going to be the distribution company that gets that money. Uh-huh. So, you know, the only way for, you know, Bell to make money on a show internationally would be as if they invested 100% in that show, if they owned it, if it was theirs, and then they sold it around the world. Yeah, I think maybe they put in 5 or 10% or something like right. that. And then the producers get the money from elsewhere. And, it's and a, elsewhere being a lot of government funding. Right. Telefilm um, and then distribution, if you can get some pre-sales. Like yeah. it's, it's a patchwork trying to get it all made. Like it's, it's, it's difficult. It, that's 90% of what a producer does is just basically in Canada trying to get the money yeah. to get this thing made. 
It seems like the producers make their money n- not by having a hit show, but just if you have shows in production, you take your production fee. Yeah. It's a bit like, uh, yeah, I wasn't going to say the producers, but it's a bit, I mean, um, well, I mean, everybody's going to make a living, right? So yeah. it's, it's, that, it's that feeling of what do the networks want? Let's just give them what they want because then we'll get our license fee. And then it's, it's, it's a guarantee, right? So it's not like film where you can just sort of make it even if you don't have a distributor, you can still make the movie and then try to sell it after the fact. Television, you need a broadcaster to commit to it before you can get any other money. Right. So it's basically, what can we do to get this broadcaster to give us a license? And that gives us allowance to go to the funding agencies and get more money. And this is what's frustrating because the public doesn't seem to be aware of this. The privates get public funding for their shows. I mean, they don't get it themselves, but the shows are publicly funded. Because they're just paying the license fee, the producers still have to pull from from public funds to get their shows made. So when people argue against the CBC as if it's the only publicly funded television network, it's not entirely true. All television in Canada is publicly funded. What are you working on now? Uh, I'm trying to develop a few films. <laughs> <laughs> In the Canadian film system. Yep. All right. Listen, good luck. All right, that's my chat with Matt Watts. Hope you enjoyed it. You can email me with story ideas, guests you think I should interview, freelance pitches. I'm at jesse at jessebrown.ca. You can find me on Twitter at Brown. This podcast has a website. It is at canadalandshow.com. The next podcast will be up on Monday. If you like this show, tell a friend. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.